Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, belief to breakthrough. I'm thrilled that here to discuss is Cynthia Garrett. Cynthia is a TV host, producer, author, social activist, ordained minister, highly sought after speaker, and a graduate of the USC Gould School of Law with a certificate in comparative law from Oxford University. Cynthia is also an extraordinary communicator. She was the first African-American woman to host a late night talk show on network television with NBC's Later with Cynthia Garrett is a frequent contributor on political news channels and hosts the Sessions with Cynthia Garrett, airing weekly on TBN and Girl Club streaming on multiple platforms, including her own CGM TV YouTube channel. Welcome, Cynthia. Hi, Barbara. Oh, it's so good to see you. It is fantastic to see you because it's been decades, but thanks to social media, we get to sort of keep up with each other. So exactly. we could we, we can share with everyone how we really do know each other and why I'm so thrilled that you're here. And the introduction barely scratches the surface of all that you are as a human being and that all that you've done. But Cynthia and I go way back. So Cynthia had one of the greatest tapes I'd ever seen when I was working as the head of talent development at VH1. It crossed my desk and I said, I need to know this woman. And I hired you at VH1. You did. You did. And the crazy thing is I was just sharing and sharing about that earlier on my podcast. And I have to tell you, it was that, you know, I, I speak into the lives of a lot of young women and, you know, they all have a dream, right? And they, they're, many of them are artists. So actors, um, actresses, I guess they're all actors now, but, you know, I'm old school. I still call them actors and actresses. Sorry, <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, singers, writers, and, and they all always want to know, well, how did you start? And so I'm really fortunate that I can tell a really good story because women like you who were really in control of some things back then, you know, you, you spoke into my life too, Barb. And, and I never, I never, ever miss an opportunity to share that. I was very fortunate to be hired by women. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate that. But I actually, on a, on a really practical, tangible thing, want to point out to people something that you did that I still have to remind people to do is you actually created a sample of the thing. You said, I want to host a talk show. I still hear that all the time from people. It's, it's a, a big dream and it's a noble dream, but I tell everybody go do it. They're ho you know, you can host a live version like at a comedy club and film that, but whatever that is, by the way, this was like 1990. What? I mean, it, this wasn't easy and you right. went and did it. And right. so my point was, I get this tape of you hosting, you just created it and it was phenomenal <laughs> and we hired you. It's, and so it takes a lot of like time and effort and skill to actually successfully execute something. But the point is you have to start with understanding I have to create something for people to see what, yeah. what I can do. Yeah. And look, and I think, I mean, you nailed it, you know, back then it was, it was really hard. I, I mean, I had to go and hire cameramen who had to get cameras and sound equipment. Now, I mean, young people walk around with an entire studio in their, in the palm of their hand all day long. They can make movies on phones. They can do all of this stuff. You know, think about like, I remember working at the channel, being on a remote shoot and the cameraman had a ring light on his camera 
which hello introduced me to the best lighting I've ever been under in my life. And I freaked out because I'd never seen one before. Well, now, now we go to Best Buy, we buy the little ring portable ring lights and set them up near our computers so that we can all look good because the whole world has gone digital and streaming. It's, it's kind of crazy the access that young people have today. And then a lot of them have excuses. And honestly, you know, Barbara, the thing I found back then, and I still believe it today, is excuses are the outs that we give ourselves for being too lazy, too afraid, or too broken in our own mind to just go out and go for what we really want to do. Mm. Well, I want to go back for one second. It's not yeah. only the young people have access. We actually all have access. True. And so to your point, I actually want to broaden that because I think that um, we can use ageism, any number of reasons as our excuses for not to try. Yeah. And I also want to laugh because I, I like don't go anywhere. Like I travel with a ring light now. I travel with lights with me wherever I go, just in case. Just that's that. funny on that level. But I want to go back to the deeper thing they were saying. It was about the excuses that we tell ourselves. And I think it's universal. And I don't think it's, it's age-related or necessarily gender-related. But I want to actually go now to the, the jumping off point for the whole conversation is what does belief to breakthrough mean to you? Well, it, it, means, it means that at some point, only I can choose to believe. You know, I, I wrote a book called I Choose Victory right? Moving from victim to victor. And it really doesn't matter like what your, your faith is. It really doesn't because there's these fundamental principles that I really believe exist for all of us. And that is that we have these voices in our head that always try to tell us we're too old, we're too fat, we're too black, we're too white, we're too yellow, whatever it is, that voice in your mind that fights against your belief to your breakthrough it, 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 it's always going to be there. And it, and it just, it actually, as you get older, it just matures and it has new and cl more clever ways of telling you you're too not enough, basically. And, you know, it is kind of crazy because for me, it's just all about believing in yourself. You know, it's about making a choice when you wake up every day to choose victory. I choose to do something to make my life better today. I choose to do something to take a step toward the, what I, what my dream is, you know, whatever that dream might be. And you can take any little step. Sometimes that step might just be having a good attitude because, you know, people are really drawn to positive people with good attitudes. And I find that I always want to help those people. And I find honestly that the seasons in my life, which I have the best attitude were the seasons in my life in which I drew the best people to me and the most help to me. And those seasons where you're kind of going through, like, I'm just angry or bitter, or I just don't know what to do. And I want to blame the whole world around me for the fact that I got out of the bed and don't like, you know, my life. And that usually repels people, you know? And so at the end of the day, I do believe that at some point life is no longer to blame and you have to choose victory for yourself. And that just means you got to choose to believe in yourself. It starts with you first. Okay. I'm just sitting with this 
And now I just want everyone to understand why it's Cynthia Garrett Ministries and we've just been churched and how great is this? But I'm skipping ahead in my own notes because I don't know that you're aware of this, but you are literally the first person I ever knew who actively manifested something. And it relates to all this. It goes back to your story. And I don't know how much of you want to even go into it when you were in Italy, but that's the first time I even understood that one could speak something into existence and the power of your faith. And this, I, I'm not kidding, Cynthia, I've carried this in the almost 30 years that since we met. Oh, well, okay. So I'm very weepy in my older age. That will, that really, thank you. That moves me Barbie, Barbie, because Barbara, I I'm, I've known you so long since you were a young girl and I was a young girl and I called her Barbie and, and she's so much more mature and successful now, but you know, I, it's, it, it brings such a loving, warming feeling to hear you say that, because I do feel like we kind of got to grow up and share a, a space and a, and a lot of life, important life for me together. And I had a dream as a little girl and you and VH1 were the, literally the first door to open in that dream. And I had lived through something really horrible before I, I got to you guys. And I lived through a very horrendous first marriage and divorce and it was abusive and i found my faith in a prison cell in italy and uh and then it was like god said okay go <laughs> and it's like your mission should you choose to accept it is to overcome every reason why you could choose to be a victim because yes you've had a lot of victimizing events happen in your life or you can understand right now today and don't waste a lot of time that only you can actually choose victory. No one else could have chosen victory for my life because even if you gave me a job at my dream, if I went there with all of that victimization all over me, I would have either repelled you and the job away or honestly, I would have just self-destructed or destroyed it. And so that's kind of why I realized like only we can choose the belief that gets us to our breakthrough. Only we can really choose. Like I, I believed in myself and I believed that I believed that God had a plan for my life. And my first book, I, I really talk a lot about this. And I actually shared my story, Barbara. I finally, you know, decided I was going to share very transparently what happened in my very first marriage and very abusive divorce and my time testifying in trials in Italy. And in my, my first book called Prodigal Daughter, which is still, on, I always, it's still on Amazon. I will always sell that book because I feel like I went through all this stuff, but I made a choice to believe not in God and myself, because that's where my strength comes from. And so what I realized at a certain point through a lot of life was that I'd been given all these different tools in these experiences, even bad experiences. But if I gave those tools to God, that he would make a message out of my mess. And, and I I've come to believe that we all have a story. Like we all have a story. Everybody does not matter where you're from, what you have. We all have something that causes us to feel human humanness, you know, sadness, abandonment, rejection, embarrassment, not, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm overwhelmed. But the reality is that if you, if you understand that your story is actually, you know, your history is actually his story, I say, then it, it really helps you to see yourself in a bigger context. And, and for me, seeing myself in the bigger context of the world, number one, humbles me because I realize, 
I ain't that important. And my problems are not unique. Everybody has a story and a cross to bear. And then it also gives me the ability to partner in a bigger story. So I look at humanity and I'm like, every day I have an opportunity to get up and partner with the bigger story. And in doing that, I get to use my story to impact humanity, to make a better story, which somebody else I believe is writing. And I think only God really, really cares about the bigger story. I think it's, it's easy for us to get caught up in our own personal stories and overlook the fact that we're invited all the time to be a part of something bigger, you know? And yeah, I mean, I figured out a bit of that before I walked into VH1 years ago, but man, my, my journey since then has really been about really surrendering to that, you know, and, and being willing to let go in order to even receive, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of nutty, but yeah, you know, to be able to let go of my own, my own, you know, thoughts about me, desires for me, my own, you know, selfishness. There's this book, it was a New York times bestseller. It's like one of those big historic books written by a man named Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if you remember this, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there was a point years ago where someone gave me that book and I kept it on my my night table, probably for like two years, because honestly, I'll be real. I just wanted to look like one of those people who would read that book. (laughs) I really wasn't yet. So, right. So I was like, yes, but I am, I have all the right books. Well, one day, a couple of years later, I, I, and I call it the moment in which I came to the end of me. You know, there are these beautiful moments in your life where if you allow it, you come to the end of yourself and then you let God take over. You let something bigger take over. And then I think you really begin to find your wings. And I decided to go away alone and sit in quiet which you know, I'm a talker. So sitting in quiet was something that many people who know me, they they would laugh at me. Like, well, okay, so you know, I have the quote unquote rock star brother, Lenny Kravitz, right? (laughs) Lenny used to tease me and he's like, you're going on a silent retreat? Ha ha, who do you (laughs) talk to, the walls? Like he, he was convinced I had to be having a dialogue with somebody. But I really went through this season of my life where being quiet and being still became really important to me because I realized that I could I could hear God. I could hear my process. I could hear myself. I could bring things before him. It was like being in a cocoon, like a butterfly, right? And we all have these cocoon moments, or we should, where we go into, even if you don't want it, you go into kind of a deep, dark place where you don't, it's, there's nobody there and you feel really alone and you struggle in that place, just like butterflies. They struggle inside of the cocoon and that struggle gives them strong wings and beautiful colors when they emerge from their cocoon. And the truth of the actual cocoon and the butterfly is so much of a parallel, I believe, for our lives. We often push back against struggle. You know, we want the breakthrough so badly that we lose our belief. We want the breakthrough so badly that we choose to be victims in our own mind. So we develop these poverty mindsets, you know, um, we, we partner with the voice that says, I can't, I won't, I never will. I'm too old. I don't have enough followers on YouTube or Instagram or whatever it is, like all this stuff, right? But the reality is that when you emerge from all of that, you really do have your wings. And, and I think the difference between us and butterflies is that as humans, we have to keep returning to that cocoon. 
we have these seasons of transition where we got to keep going back to that quiet place, refuel ourselves and then come out flying. And those are hard places to be. Okay. Wow. Full disclosure, or this is sort of an embarrassing thing to admit. I had no idea that butterflies struggled in the cocoon. Like I thought it was like a passive dormant thing like hibernation. So that is just blowing my mind and the power of that. And that I love the metaphor that that struggles, what gives the, them strong wings to be able to fly up. Oh, Cynthia, oh my God. I, 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 oh, I want to talk to you every day. I want, I, I, now I need the like daily, oh my God, I need my daily Cynthia. Okay, that was beautiful and amazing. So now I really get the belief component. And so for you, when did the breakthrough happen? I'm sure they continue to happen to your point where you just said, you know, it's life is constantly evolving and changing, but you were challenged to believe in Italy. When did you hit, hit you that you went, wow, I now feel like I'm on the other side. I've experienced some kind of miraculous breakthrough. You know, I got to tell you. So for me, I grew up with, I was taught you set goals, you achieve your goals, you work hard, you do, you do, you perform, you behave. So it was all about me and my efforts. And that's when I went away with that book, kind of to circle back to Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. The first sentence of the book says, it's not about you. At that point, I literally thought I was having a nervous breakdown because I thought, what? Then what is it about? Like, are you, I can't even read this book. I can't believe this. It's gotta be about me. Of course, it's about, it's about me going to school. I have to get good grades. I have to do a good job. And Rick Warren in that book, no matter what you believe, he basically then proceeds to break you down to nothing. It's not about you. So then, then he takes you to that place, of course, where you're saying, well, what is it about? What's his opinion of what's it about? What he was teaching is that his opinion, which he kind of rooted in sort of in, in his faith, is that it's about other people. It's about the world around you. And for the first time in my life, he showed me myself in relationship to the world around me. And he showed me, you know, there's a beautiful uh, part in the Bible that says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do no good thing. That, and then there's another one that says, it talks about how we're all a part of the body, of God's body. And the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the foot can't say to the hand, well, I don't need you. I'd be a lot better without you. Or, oh, you're not a nose. We don't like you. We don't want you on the face. None of that can go on for the body to function correctly. And it really showed me we all actually have a role to play in the greater body. Look at if you look at the world or humanity as this one godly, beautiful body that can do so many amazing things. I mean, people are so creative. We have brilliant minds. We have, we have the hearts to love if we choose. You know, we have eyes to see other people if we choose. And so it just started to sink me into thinking about a lot more than just my own efforts, but what my efforts actually meant in terms of the greater whole. So I don't know if I answered your question, but it was kind of a lot of, of, of that that really, you know, when I, when I came back from Italy, I came back with an understanding of that, but not really. I just, I just knew that I'd found faith. And the first way that that faith worked for me was to get me to believe in myself and my dreams. 
And so that just gave me the childlike ability to go for it. Like, just go for it. You, you know, you want a talk show, you want to do this, then go put it together. And, and, and then I just went out and convinced people like, this is what I want to do. This is what my goal is. And, and I know that I need tape to show people because people react to what they can see. Most people can't actually imagine what you want them to imagine. We, we live in, we live in a very visual world as I know. And you and look, you and I have learned this in the industry, right? You can't go in and pitch a TV show anymore. You have to go in with some tape. They want to see, they want to see what you're talking about. So I came to you kind of, I don't know, maybe 20%, you know, formed, but I had a faith and, and that faith gave me a belief in myself. And that belief in myself gave me the ability to not give up, you know, because I didn't want to give up on myself or my dream. But then there came this point along the way where I had experienced a lot of red carpets um, we had a great time at VH1. I mean, I, Barbie, Barbie, I talk all the time about just the concert. I mean, the, the rehearsals we used to see that were full-blown concerts for other people, yet they were private, intimate moments for us with like Elton John, Stevie Wonder, uh, this person, that person. And I, I felt like I did all these things that were a part of my childhood dream. And, and then, you know, I had this experience and I came home from that experience in Italy with a baby. So my son was a part of all of this. But there was a point years into it where I just, I don't know, I just looked in a mirror one day and I thought, you know, the things that we want in life and the things that we are, are tempted to define ourselves by are not the thing. It's not the thing. And I, and I kept kind of going back to that. Like, I'm so grateful for this career, but who am I without it? I felt a little bit lost and mm -hmm. I felt a little bit defined by the career that I worked so hard to build. And I, I had a day one day as my son was turning about 14 years old. And I realized that the most important job that I had in life was to parent him. And he was becoming a young teenage boy and he really needed a lot of attention from me. And I had been very distracted for a lot of his life with two or three phones to my head, juggling agents and managers and career pursuit. But the most important thing was in front of me and I didn't want to mess it up. And so I remember very clearly, I got on my face, I laid on the floor and I said, okay, God, I believe you're there. If you're still there, you can take the cars, you can take the houses, you can take the career, you can take the famous people, you can take the money, you can take the agents, the TV shows, the lawyers, and the phones. I just want to know why I still don't understand what my purpose is on this planet. I need to understand something much deeper about myself and about myself in relationship to this kid and in relationship to the world around me. And I feel like you saved me for a lot more than this. And that began a very interesting journey to my breakthrough, you know, mm -hmm. which, which leaves me really able to sit here today. And, you know, Barbie, it's amazing. So what I'm in my late fifties now, I've never been more confident. I've never been more secure. You know, I've never felt like when I'm on a, you know, I, I do these TV series through my nonprofit you know, they're, they're inspirational. I don't know who's watching. I don't know who's not watching, but I know that the women who write in and the men say things like you're impacting my life. You, you know, I was sexually abused also, 
Um, and they say to me, the fact that you're so open about how you overcame the shame and the embarrassment and the low self-esteem of your sexual abuse or your rape as a teenage girl is just mind blowing to me. Thank you. Um, oh, wow. You know, Cynthia, you're helping me walk in identity. I mean, all the things that I feel like I really struggled with, I struggled with walking in my identity, you know, all through, all through Hollywood on all those red carpets. The, the, the butterfly in me was like still struggling. And I don't think I really broke out of the cocoon until I said, God, take it all. Just give me more faith. Give me more belief. Give me the ability to really break through in a way that matters in this world, that touches other people, that impacts communities. And mostly that would impact my son so that he would grow up to be the man that I really believed in him to be. You know? So I had to surrender a lot of my life to actually even see his life be what it is today. And you'd be so proud of him, Barbara. <laughs> oh my gosh. I haven't seen Christian since he was a little, little, little. He was little. And I think he kicked Liani Chazo on a set filming. <laughs> Cause he Wait. didn't like that. He was getting close to his mom. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But I do want to go back to, cause it, it circles back to what's going through my head. The intro to this and Rick Warren was the breakthrough for you to understand that you, your gift is to communicate and to share these stories. And that as you do, that it's your place in the world and the impact and the ripple. And so everything, the, st the steps, so it's like VH1 and the TV shows were not the end result. It was just a step on the path because those lessons made you a more effective and slowly but surely a more confident communicator. Yeah. Wow. And that's so tools. powerful for everyone to hear because we get very focused on, I really, that job is the thing. And it's like, no, the job is going to be an experience. And if it's the right thing, it's part of what shapes you into your purpose and what you're meant to be doing or not. And that experience will shape you as well. Um, but that is so powerful. So again, what, so you have like, you're on the floor and you're like having this incredibly intimate, raw conversation with God. Is there, can you remember, is there a moment where you said, oh my God, I feel it. I have received the breakthrough or is it something you realized in hindsight? No, I think the actual breakthrough was getting on my face and realizing, okay, mm. I can't do it. I, mm. <laughs> Hey God, the actual surrender. Yeah. You need to be real. God I'm on my face. I'm done. I, I don't want to do this another day without understanding the deeper things about my purpose, you know, because I mean, look, you know, and you know, this, like, we walk into your office as young people and older people and CEOs and corporate executives and all these people, they come to you. And what they're all saying is, I need to communicate. And what you, what you try to do is to get us to tap into something deeper inside of us so that our communication is so unique, so authentic, and so full, we get the job, basically, right? Well, <laughs> The experience of Hollywood, if you don't understand these lessons, will basically tell you what to communicate. And then you don't get the job because you're never going to be authentic because you're sort of bouncing around doing what everybody tells you you should do. When in reality, every, what everyone needs is the different messages that come from your life. You know, what are the, I often say that all these experiences for me, I realize now are tools in my tool belt. Mm -hmm. So when I show up in a room to communicate, I don't even need to prepare per se, because I, 
It's in me. I've lived it. They're the tools that are my weapons. And whatever room I'm in, I know which weapon to take out and shoot. You know, I know my audience. I know who I'm talking to. What do they need to hear? It may be different than what those people over there need to hear, but, but it's all the same. It's all the same message that comes from the same tools. And, and I think that's where, man, you got to really, part of breakthrough, I believe, is understanding that the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life that you've lived through, those are your tools, man. Don't despise those tools. You know, don't, don't despise those humble, small beginnings. You know, that's where you build. Oh, wow. That's beautiful to bring those all together and to not silo or dismiss or pretend because that happens a lot. I, I pick up that up, that energy with clients when they're aspects of themselves and their lives that pretending not to exist. And you can read that energy. But um, actually, one of the things I want to say is we are so in sync in terms of core values. I want to go back and like literally rewind this and say, just quote you all over the place in my, in my tools, because it is so much about understanding um, goal audience platform on a strategic level. But what you really tapped into that was so powerful and beautiful is one, going back to belief, understanding the value of your story, which you said spoke to so beautifully in the beginning of this conversation, and then understanding going to find who needs to hear the story. And then on top of it, what we have in a digital world are all these ways, places that we can share our story. So the people who need to find us can more easily find us. And that is such a powerful thing that you were talking about is you surrendered, you gave in, and then all these things start to blossom. But that is the thing is like the, you are sharing the story with me today, somebody who needs to hear it today. And then anyone who's listening to this podcast, that is the power of that. And I think one of the things you're talking about when we talk about Hollywood and whatever that means is that a lot of times we spend too much time chasing validation and external things and we're not talking, that's not the right audience. We're not in the right place for our story. And so again, what you've shared so beautifully here oh, is that there is, there is a, I'm getting a little chill because there is a place for everyone in their story. Sometimes, you know, I guess we pivot and redirect, but other times to your point, beautifully said, we sit quietly under the Bodhi tree yeah. and we allow the message to come to us, to tell us maybe where we need to go or to yeah. be open to the experience of like a little, you know, trial and error. Yeah. Well, I think trial and error is part <laughs> of it for sure. You know, but, but trial and error, I mean, unfortunately, I don't really think human beings learn when everything's perfect. I think we learn in trials and errors. I That's one of the reasons why I don't believe in failure. Which right. everybody thinks I always sound so namby pamby when I get that question on a podcast or an interview. And I'm like, I you know what? I've been around the bend so many times and now I can say it really is all a learning experience. Yeah. The other thing I want to go back to that you said too, that was so beautiful in that ex example from the Bible about, we can't disengage, you know, the, you know, the, the, the ear can't say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of your head anymore. And like, you know, feet, we don't need you because a couple of things came up one as women, I'm sure it happens to everybody as women. One, we are so often at war with our own bodies. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that was so beautiful and powerful when you said that. And that the fact doing the deep work to a really radical self-love and acceptance. And two, then the broader thing that it's like what you're talking about too is about healing on such a global level. And, and we're living in a time route where we're so fractured. Yeah. 
Because I, I got to tell you, even now there will be people listening who hear Rick Warren and will roll their eyes and be, nah, I can't listen to that because he's evangelical and that all, I, I have to dismiss all that instead of stopping and hearing going, there's, hey, we may not see the world the same way, but there's value in the message. Totally. You know, I mean, I read, oh my gosh, from, you know, from tipping point to, you know, I, I've read so much stuff. And what I, you know, whether it's Christian, whether it's based in, in, you know, from a, in Christianity, from a Christian author to, you know, a secular author or an atheist, a scientist, a psychologist, um, a philosopher, you know, doesn't really, you know, matter. One of the beautiful things that I love about Nelson Mandela is I don't think there's anyone around the world who would bristle at anything that's come out of Mandela's mouth right before he, he before he died i mean he just was like a well of wisdom right i never even knew if mandela had faith or not well in the last 10 years of my life part of what's happened because of one of my programs that airs around the world internationally is i started getting invited to speak in large churches like 40,000 50,000 person conferences in africa south africa and you know, I remember when I, the first time the, the man who bought me, who brought me there, he's an older gentleman. He ordained me as a minister. And I said to him, you know, Pastor Ray, um, I'm not a preacher. Like I, I just, I'm just a girl, you know, like who, you know, tries to use my experiences and, you know, help others. And he looked at me and he started laughing. He said, oh, that's so funny. Have you ever watched yourself on TV? You're a preacher. <laughs> and, I, and I said, okay. And he said, Cynthia, I'm in a country where women of color have no, they don't feel like they have a voice and they haven't had a voice. And just you being up there, opening your mouth and speaking, that's ministry because you're giving them permission to open their mouths, to be bold, to say what's on their mind, to, 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 to live, you know? And, and then I didn't realize it until I was there. And in the middle of one of these moments, my husband is a white, is, I married a white guy, right? So there's my blue-eyed hubby sitting there on the front row, all proud because he he always said, I always knew you had so much more to say than makeup tips. <laughs> you know? And and you know, and what dress are you wearing on a red carpet? But I realize it, as does he, the power of permission and unity and the the fact that color is a beautiful thing, but not because it divides color and culture is a beautiful thing because God made us all really unique and, and he made us as individuals and I don't have to be like everyone else and you don't have to be like everyone else. And there's beauty and power in that if we only embrace it and stop hating on each other. And so, you know, in terms of any, anyone who writes anything that I feel is wise, I'm going to read it. And even as a Christian, mm -hmm. I want to be open to hearing what other people believe, because I think one of the worst things I could do as a Christian is be so focused on teaching you my way that I don't understand that there may be a way that brought you to today. And I can't just throw that away. I need to actually engage and listen. And, and people share and they change and they grow from relationship. You know, and, and, and no matter what faith or religion people embrace, I do find that there's not enough embracing of actually just like 
loving each other, you know, and, and love, I spell love T-I-M-E and T-I-M-E means you get dirty, you get woken up at three o'clock in the morning, you get inconvenienced when they call and say, well, I need a ride home. I'm drunk. I can't make it. There's, you know, it's like raising kids. You know, it, it really is. I think that's how God sees all of us. It's like raising children and oh my goodness, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I think that sadly we all are so tempted to put God in such a small box. And I just, I never believe I know everything because then I would have to be saying I figured God out. And I just am sure that the day that comes out of my mouth, he's going to strike me down dead with a lightning <laughs> bolt. <laughs> so so I just try to keep it really fluid and I know what I believe. I know what has worked for me. I know what feels alive in me and through me and, and that's okay for me. You know, I, I, I love when someone else finds their faith or I have experiences where, you know, I get to see people come to faith and that's beautiful and amazing, but it's a big, it's a big dialogue around this. And I brought up Mandela real quickly going back to that because I always admired him. I never knew what his faith was. And when I started going to South Africa to preach and speak there, uh, the man that brought me over, Ray McCauley Sr., he and Mandela were very, very good friends. And Pastor Ray has served as the advisor to every president in South Africa since de Klerk. So he was a part of ending apartheid in South Africa. This man is such history. And I, I asked him one day, I said, well, I want to know all about Mandela. Talk to me about when apartheid was here. What was it like when the lights would go off in the cities and the curfew would be on? And, and he just shared hours and hours and hours of stuff with me. And I asked him, I said, well, was Mandela a Christian? What was he? Because how did he come out of prison and how was he so loving and kind and peaceful? I mean, I think I would have been a little bit raging mad, right? And he said to me, he goes, you know, he said, Yes, he was a Christian. And I said, how come I never knew that? And he said, he never talked about his faith, really not with anyone outside of people closest to him. But he said, but he used to have plenty of visitations from Jesus in that prison cell. And I was blown away because I was like, are you kidding? Why didn't he share that? And he said, that's the evangelical Christian in you. He said, and everyone exercises and expresses that differently. He said for Mandela, he felt like his faith was so big and so transformative and so deeply personal that it would trivialize it to share it on political platforms and to make, to use it as something to influence other people. And I just, I mean, I remember sitting there and I thought, this is the antithesis of everything that I see every political leader doing. It kind of blew my mind. Like, I mean, everyone says I'm a Christian. And then, you know, the Bible says by their fruit, you will know them. I have never seen so much rotten, spoiled fruit in my life from people calling themselves Christians. I'm like, no, I beg to differ. That is not a, the, the fruits of the spirit of God are kindness, joy, love, peace, patience, humility, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. I nailed all nine of them. That's Bible. How many people do you know in your life? whether they call themselves a Christian or not, who walk in those, that spirit every day. Get me on the 405 at, at five o'clock in the evening in Los Angeles. And trust me, you are going to see a lack of patience, whole lot, whole lot of no self-control. And I mean, it ain't very peaceful or loving. 
but but we're called to something deeper, all of us. And I, I just, I don't know, Barbie, I feel like God gets a bad rep in the world that we're in. And sometimes I apologize that we're the best he's got to work with. Mm. I want to thank you so much for spreading the good news today. You're welcome. And I love that a podcast lives on and the joy that you can listen to it over and over and over again. This is so great. I hope that this is only our first conversation. Me too. I want to see you and stay connected and not lose contact for 10 years again. Mm, You'll be coming back. Thank you so much. Everyone, please, in the show notes, I'll have all your information, Cynthia. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you are interested in coaching or brainstorming support for you or your team, please shoot me a note and please be sure to visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. 